Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Well, I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. And as you stand, please turn to Psalm chapter 94. If you're new to the Word of God and you have a Bible with you, you turn right to the middle and you might even hit that chapter, Psalm chapter 94. I'm going to begin this message by reading two verses, verses 18 and 19, give you a moment to find that on your phone or with your Bible in your hand. Psalm chapter 94. The psalmist wrote this, when I said, verse 18, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And Lord, I pray over these next few moments that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Title of today's message is Upside Down to Right Side Up. It's a message about anxiety. And I, I want to just say at the very beginning of this message that I am not a medical doctor. I'm not a mental health expert. Uh, I want you to know at the very beginning of this message that I'm not a uh, licensed counselor or psychologist. I'm a pastor. And I'm a pastor whose heart whose heart's just been hurting. For so many in our congregation of all ages, so many in our communities who are in a battle with anxiety. One author described our nation as being a nation that is in an emergency state of crippling anxiety. And after many, many conversations with people, I came to a place where I said, God, what's going on? What's going on? It seems like it's more than ever. The number of people that are really struggling with anxiety. And the reality is that what's going on is that every single one of us deal with anxiety at different times and in different ways, at different levels. All of us. No one is immune to it. Everyone experiences it. In different ways, at different times. It's good for us to know that we aren't alone if we're struggling with anxiety. But it's also good to know that no one is saying this is exactly what you need to do every single time. One, two, three, boom, and it's taken care of for the rest of your life. We're all in journey. We're all in process. We all need God. And thankfully, there are dozens of scriptures that uh, talk about anxiety. And, 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 and in fact, in addition to that, there are hundreds of passages which deal with fear and worry. Why? Because we are human. And no matter the century or the country that we live in, every single one of us deal with anxiety in some way. My prayer very simply in today's message and in preparation for today's message is this, that this message will in some way be used by God to help. That's it. It's to help. To, to help be an encouragement, maybe to give some insight, an idea. Uh, maybe it's an invitation for uh, some of us in this place to reach out to someone with a trusted person to have a conversation. I'm praying that this message very simply will offer hope and that all of us 
all of us would grow in our compassion for each other. As we think about anxiety, there are so many different definitions for it. One clinical definition I found for anxiety is this. Anxiety is characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. A friend of mine actually described it to me like this. He said, I notice an increase in my breathing and heart rate. I can't seem to turn off my thoughts no matter how hard I try to shift them or try to pray. It's an ominous feeling that the worst will happen even though I know it won't. How many know that at times anxiety can feel overwhelming? The New Testament Greek word translated anxiety is, uh, is translated like this, it, to divide or to pull apart or to separate into pieces. And how many of us have ever experienced our peace falling to pieces? The peace that maybe we woke up with a few hours later falling to pieces, separated, divided into pieces. And anxiety doesn't just pull apart our peace. Anxiety can weigh us down. We can feel it closing in. We can feel it pressing down on us. And sometimes we don't even know why our peace has fallen to pieces. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 42 gets really real with himself as he writes that psalm and he asks a question, why, oh my soul, are you downcast? He doesn't know. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's trying to figure out himself. Why do I feel like I feel right now? And he asks the question, why are you downcast. It's like the weight was pushing him down, pressing in on him, crushing him. You know, I've read that our, our head, for the average person, is about 12 pounds of weight on our cervical spine. 12 pounds is not that much. We don't even think about it as we're walking along. We don't think, man, I'm so thankful for my spine that's holding up this, this egg up here, right, of 12 pounds. Just in the last couple of years, uh, spinal experts have uh, put together diagrams and such as they're studying this. And you see it here. It might be hard to see, but it's 12 pounds when our, our head is upright. If you uh, bend your head down a little bit, uh, 15 degrees, the amount of weight that is now pressuring your cervical spine is 27 pounds. Just by, just by doing this, your spine's like, hey, what's going on? They actually are calling this uh, diagram, this, this discovery, if you will, text neck. Because when we text, we're looking down. But as you see in this diagram, if, if your head goes all the way down to 60 degrees, it puts not 12, 60 pounds of pressure on your cervical spine. And isn't that just like anxiety? As it presses down on you and if you feel like you're just going lower. You feel like your head, as the psalmist described, is downcast because of the pressing weight. So what causes anxiety? So many things, right? What I want to do just in, the, just in a short part of this message is, is quickly share 11 causes 
of anxiety. Of course, there are so many more. But as we go through this list pretty quickly, I want you just to, to lean in a little bit and say, you know what, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, that's, 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 that's something that I deal with. That's a problem or issue that, that seems to trigger anxiety in my life. Some people think that anxiety is an emotion. In fact, Disney is coming out with a, a movie very, very soon called Inside Out 2. I've not seen the first one. Basically, in the first one, there are emotions that a, that a person is dealing with and discovering in their mind. And, and so it, it appears from the trailer that Disney's coming out and submitting that uh, anxiety is an emotion, just a normal emotion. And I would submit that anxiety is not an emotion, that it is a symptom of something else that's going on in your life. It's a deeper issue, a deeper problem, a deeper challenge that needs to be addressed. Anxiety, I would say, is somewhat like a, a smoke alarm. And what I mean by that is imagine if your house is filling with smoke and your house is on fire and your smoke alarm goes off. Imagine you running down through the fire to your smoke alarm, getting on a step stool or a chair and climbing up and taking out those annoying batteries so that finally you can have some peace and quiet in your house. Now nobody would do that. Because the problem is not the smoke alarm. The smoke alarm is alerting you to the problem. And so I want to share just quickly 11, just 11, 11 things that could be triggering anxiety in your life. The first could be a chemical imbalance. I've talked with people who've had a surgery. They had a baby. They, uh, they had an infection. There, there is a lack of nutrients. Many believe genetics are involved as well at some level, and these things can cause chemical imbalances. Once again, I'm not a medical doctor, but there are times when it is very helpful to talk with your doctor. It could be a chemical imbalance. Number two, it, it could be a desire for control that triggers anxiety. Don't some of us love control? We got our hands on the wheel, and don't you try reaching over and showing me how to drive. We desire control. Think about us as parents. We, we try our best to control the environment. We try our best to keep them safe from harm and sickness and hurt, don't we? See, anxiety gets triggered when, when we have a desire for control, that, that sense of like, I am stable, I've got this under control, I can control the outcome. And then when we face situations that we can't control, and we do, anxiety can get triggered. It could be a, a fear of what might happen that triggers anxiety for some of us in this place. I mean, when you watch the news, what is the main message? Be afraid, Right? I mean, terrorist attacks and disasters and financial downturns and you name it, it's happening in the world and it's going to happen to you. It's a fear of what might happen. If you ever got a, a bump or a, a new pain or maybe a new mole on your body and you're like, well, I'll just do a quick search on Google, see what this is. And you discover really quickly, you have 24 hours to live. Get your things in order. You're going to die. So encouraging. <laughs> it's the, the, the fear of the what ifs. Like, like, like what, what could happen? What if I get cancer? What if I lose my job? What if that person abandons me? What if those people don't like me? What if my kids don't have any friends? What if? Fear of what might happen is something that a lot of us deal with and it can trigger anxiety. How about this one? Too many fish in the tank. 
too many fish in the tank. When our kids were younger, they, like a lot of kids, wanted to get some goldfish. And we're like, okay. They're like 19 cents at that time or whatever it was. I'm like, I can afford that. Let's do it. Let's get some goldfish. We were told at that time that you want to make sure not to have too many goldfish in the tank or in the bowl because they need oxygen. And so you can overcrowd the tank or the bowl. I didn't uh, fact check that one. I just believed it when they told me that. But I know even last week there was an evening when I began to feel anxiety rising and anxiety kind of closing in on me. And I, I, I had so many fish in the tank. There were so many things, so many thoughts in my mind. I'm thinking about uh, all the things I need to accomplish, the decisions I need to make, the challenges that, I, that I'm facing this week. How am I going to have time for this, have time for that prep, get ready for that meeting, have time for that meeting, how, and still have family time, and still sleep, and still exercise, and still do this, 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 and this, and this. There were too many fish in the tank, and I could, I could literally feel anxiety just like closing in. Sometimes for me it helps to, to start taking out the fish one by one. Just like, whoop, and being like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with you Wednesday at 2 o'clock, okay? And I put that into my calendar, okay? I'm, you just over there. Other times pulling, pulling out a fish and it's like, you're, you're not even true. Like, why am I thinking about you? Other fish, it's like, oh, I need you to stay there. I do need to deal with that. I need to think about that. You see what I'm saying? Like feeling it. I, I, it feels so pressing, so crushing when we have too many fish in the tank. It could be comparisons that trigger anxiety. This is a big one for a lot of us. We see someone else, whether it's on social media or whatever else, we see their giftings. We see how smart they are. We see how, how, they, can, how they can communicate or how they can sing or how, how good they are with their job or how well their business is going or the promotion that they got at work or the vacations that they're on. And we're like, man, I just I can't compare it to that. Like I, and anxiety can rise. We can't have a list without listing distractions. It's a constant flow of, of information. We kind of like it in some ways, getting that text, getting that email, checking the social media feed, to going, going through uh, maybe some online shopping, uh, getting another text, getting another email. They're just distractions. The kids need something. You know, people are calling about this, calling about that. Just distractions, so many things. There's a constant flow. And, and sometimes it can make us feel important. And sometimes we can really feel like we're informed as we're knowing everything there is to know on the Internet. But honestly, if we take a step back, we realize that that's leaving us shallow tired, drained, anxious, and sometimes even overwhelmed. Distractions, constant flow of it can cause there to be a rise in anxiety. A lack of good friendships is a big factor. I'm talking about good friendships, quality friendships. The World Health Organization shared that during the pandemic, there was a 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression worldwide. Not just the U.S., worldwide. 25% increase, that's huge because of isolation. We were created to be with people. We need each other. We don't just need people. We need quality friendships. People that we can trust. People that we can say you know what? I'm struggling. How you doing? Fine. How you really doing? Yeah, I'm not okay. 
struggling. We need that. There are times when Christ-centered counseling is exactly what a person needs to help them get their feet moved, to have a, a quality conversation with someone that you can trust and giving you good advice. But lack of good friendships, lack of quality friendships can be a trigger for anxiety. How about an overactive second guesser? Make a decision, say something, do something, and then, oh, maybe I should have done that. And your mind is just swirling. Well, maybe I should have said that. Maybe I should have done that differently. Maybe, 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 maybe. That is a sleep stealer, a peace stealer. It triggers anxiety because you've got question marks, question marks, question marks that seem to overwhelm you. People pleasing, I won't say much about this, but just trying to please everyone. Hey, that is a recipe for anxiety because we can't. It's a losing battle. A feeling of lack can trigger anxiety. A lack of money, lack of time to get everything done. Lack of resources, a lack of friends, whatever the lack may be can create anxiety. And let me just mention one more, and I'm not going to take time. This will be another message, I'm sure. But it's the attack of the enemy. And I think that this is the, uh, really the number one of the list. And I saved it for last, not because I have time to talk a lot about it, but just to say reality is there is a real enemy of your soul who wants to destroy your peace. And his mode of operation, according to the word of God, is fiery darts. Shoom, shoom, shoom. What are those fiery darts? Normally that's not a, a fist hitting you physically. What is that? It's a thought. It's a thought. It's a thought. Things aren't going well. Failure's ahead. You should have done that different. And he's pretty good at it because he's done it for a few millennia. And that is he can even do it in such a way where, where if we're not careful, we can believe it. And then we own that thought and think, I'm thinking it. That's not cool. I talk with so many people, and I've done this too, where I begin to own the fiery dart. The enemy shoots it. And then I think, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is too hard for me. I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't have what it takes. Whoa, whoa, that thought didn't originate from me, and it definitely didn't originate from God. It was a fiery dart of the enemy, the attack of the enemy. I wish we had more time to talk about that, future messages for sure, but the attack of the enemy. So why, Pastor Keith, are you taking time to share this list as part of the message? I just want to bring out the point that here's the reality. Every single one of us deal with anxiety in different ways, at different times, in different levels. All of us, all of us, I'm so thankful that the Word of God records so many examples of people that we can read about who dealt with anxiety and who found hope in their time of need. One of those examples, and we're going to look at this example for a few moments, is a man by the name of Elijah. We read about him in 1 Kings chapter 18 and elsewhere in Scripture. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, this man, Elijah, um, experienced God showing up in a huge way. Without going into a lot of detail, you can read it later today. Awesome account of God just doing big stuff right in front of Elijah's eyes. I mean, Elijah praised, and at one point, fire literally came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Right after that, there were 850 evil cultic priests who were influencing and deceiving the people of Israel, and they were all killed. 
I mean, in a moment, fire comes down. People are like, whoa, okay, okay, God's real. And evil, an aspect of evil was wiped away from that nation. You talk about a big day. On that same day, Elijah knows that the land has been in a three and a half year drought. And so on that same day, he prays a prayer. God, I pray it'll rain. Pray it'll rain. And it began to rain. Not just like in one person's yard. I'm talking about field after field after field after field throughout the entire land. It began to downpour. And all Elijah prayed was, Lord, I pray it'll rain. I mean, that, my friends, is a big day. A huge day of seeing God show up in a big way, which makes what happens right after that, which makes what happens next seem so strange and out of character for this account that we're reading. And it's this. In the very next chapter, chapter 19, verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And I read that, I'm like, what? Elijah just saw fire come down from heaven. Elijah just saw some big stuff. And one of the next verses, one of the next moments of Elijah's life is Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, if you read it, you know that, that he had received a death threat. The evil queen Jezebel had said that he's going to be killed. And I get that that's got to be a big deal. That, that's, that's kind of a big thing. I get it. However, Elijah had just seen the almighty God show up in a huge way. And in that moment, maybe without even processing, all of a sudden he is on the run. You can just tell the anxiety is rising up within him. Worry, fear, all the above as he runs for his life. Isn't it so interesting that life can be going so well and then enemy messages hit us? Only failure is ahead. You're not going to make it. The train is going off the tracks. And all of a sudden, life was going great, and now anxiety begins to rise. All of a sudden, anxiety is triggered. And this is what happened to Elijah as anxiety began to grow. Things uh, began to grow. He ran for his life. It says this, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he left his servant there. It seems like such an insignificant detail, but I believe it is significant. Because things were going from bad to worse in Elijah's life. This anxiety was rising up. It was increasing. He can feel it weighing in on him and pressing in on him. And then he does the exact thing that he should not have done. He isolated himself from his only friend who was present in that moment. He didn't have a group of friends around him in that moment. He had one friend. This person had proven himself to be trustworthy to Elijah, proven himself to be a close friend. And in that moment, when Elijah's anxiety attack is getting worse and worse, instead of staying with the friend, what does he do? The one thing that he shouldn't, and that is he began to isolate himself. And we are tempted to do the same thing. When anxiety begins to rise, when we begin to struggle, when we begin to go through things, when we continue to go through things, we have a tendency to isolate. We have a tendency to, to, to step away from that friend, friend group, to ghost our friends. We have a tendency to, to, to step out of that life group or out of that ministry and isolate. And that's exactly what Elijah did. Pushes away his closest friend. 
left him and went a day's journey into the wilderness. And so here was Elijah. Picture this. He was alone. He was tired. He was anxious. He was afraid. Finding, finding himself in the middle of a wilderness. And in this lonely environment, Elijah did what he thought was the best course of action in that moment for him, and it was to give up. Verse 4, it says, He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah was done. But thankfully, that wasn't the end of the story. And what you're going to see in this account is that God loved this man. And I want you to know that wherever you're at in your struggle with anxiety and dealing with anxiety, that it's not the end of the story for you. It might be part of your story, but it's not the end of the story, and it's not the whole story, because God loves you just as much as he loved uh, Elijah. And just as much as he wanted to help Elijah, and he did, he wants to help you. In these next few moments, I just want to say at the very beginning that, that uh, we like uh, formulas and, and we like quick fixes and those types of things. And, and often in life, they just don't work, right, with big struggles that we're having, ongoing challenges that we face. Everyone's at a different place in this journey, and God works in different ways. Just this week, I met with someone who said when they gave their life to Jesus, when they surrendered their life to Jesus, Jesus delivered them from fear and anxiety. I was like, praise God, that's awesome. There are times when God chooses to deliver a person from that anxiety. And if you're struggling with anxiety, I'm praying that there will be breakthrough even today, that God will deliver you from that. And we continue to pray that. There are times when God delivers, and there are times when God just chooses to step into your journey and to walk with you. Elijah, this prophet, this man of God, man, he would have loved for God just to step in and be like, boom, you're delivered from all feelings of fear and anxiety. But God didn't, even for that prophet. But what God did, as you're going to see, is he stepped into his journey. He stepped into his anxiety, put his arm around him, walked with him, and brought him out. So many passages in Scripture about anxiety. Just in this one particular passage, I want to pull out a few principles that hopefully can be helpful and an encouragement to you. One is that Elijah chose to refuel with the basics. And I'll get to a point where I say actually it was God who chose this, but bear with me. Elijah chose to refuel um, with the basics. And sometimes one of the best things that you can do in a moment of anxiety, a day of anxiety, a year of anxiety, is to make sure you're doing the basics. Look at this, verse 5. Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. God wasn't finished with Elijah. So God sent an angel to take care of a few things. Elijah would have loved maybe a flaming sword to take off the head of Jezebel. I don't know. But God sent the angel to take care of first things first. What was that? Eat a sandwich. Open up your little brown bag like I used to take to school with me. Eat your sandwich. Sip on your water bottle. Take a nap. Like What? Interestingly, in his panic attack, that is the first thing that God instructed and provided for Elijah to do. Interesting, huh? 
Mother Teresa dealt with depression for many years of her life, deep, deep, deep depression. And she said this, I think it's um, so important for all of us. She said, to keep a lamp burning, we have to keep putting oil in it. Sometimes one of the best things that we can do in moments and times of anxiety is eat healthy foods, rest, exercise, refuel with the basics so that we can stay sharp as God intended. Per the angel's orders, that's what Elijah did. Elijah ate, he took a nap, and then the angel woke him up again to eat another sandwich so that he could be rested, so that he could be healthy, so that he could be ready. Refuel the basics. Number two, redirect your attention. Redirect your attention. Verse 8 says that Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah, as I have shown you today, was very discouraged. Anxiety was rising within him. He was, he was struggling in this moment, and he decided, and the Lord helped him to decide, to go where he knew God had been. So he traveled to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, the place where Moses met with God on multiple occasions. Elijah knew of this, and he, in his darkest moment, said, I need to go where God is, where he believed God to be. We know God's everywhere, but in that moment, Elijah's like, I need to go where God is. And so he travels, being led by the Lord to Mount Sinai. I want you to know that God is always ready to meet with you, always ready to meet with you. Always ready to meet with you. When Elijah arrived, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, get ready. You're going to meet with me. I'm stepping in. I've already been stepping in, but now you're going to see me step in. And he did. Those moments of anxiety helps us so much when we pause and we lean in. We lean in, we redirect our attention. We can do that through worship, through praise, through being in the word. And you might say, Pastor Keith, I've done that and I'm still dealing with anxiety. Keep leaning in, keep pressing in, keep leaning in, keep pressing in. Because the word of God says this, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. God will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn to the Lord whose thoughts turn to the Lord. For me, there are times when anxiety is rising and, and, and I, I um, those moments when it feels like it's pressing in, oh no, oh no, oh no. And one of the things that, that, that I, I tried to do when I'm in the right frame of mind is to, it's just to reflect on God's track record. To redirect my attention, not just to what I'm facing, but what has God already done? What has God already brought me through? Uh, how, how, uh, how many testimonies are there of God just being faithful again and again and again and again and again, never messing up, never late? And as I'm facing that, which to God is such a little thing, to me seems so big, it's like, whoa, oh my goodness, look what God's been doing for thousands of years with billions of people God is trustworthy, and God will keep in perfect peace those who turn their thoughts toward him. Help to have your attention redirected 
to the Lord. Sometimes that's daily. Sometimes that's hourly. How many know sometimes that's moment by moment? Redirecting your attention. And finally, reinforce the truth. Reinforce the truth. Parents, have you ever needed to go into your, your child's room? They woke up. Maybe they had a bad dream. They were scared. And you, because of what they said, you needed to reinforce that there was no boogeyman in the closet. You know what I'm saying? Like you open up the closet and shine the light and they're like, nope, just your clothes and the Legos and whatever. Nope, nope, there's no monster behind the door. Look, look right here. It's, there's, no, there's, no, you can, there's no monster. You go to them, maybe you pray with them, put, their, put, put your hand on their head or hold their hand and let them know, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be in the room right next door. And if you need something, just call. It's going to be okay. I've got you. What are you doing? You're reinforcing the truth. When anxiety begins to weigh in on us, it's so important for us to reinforce what is true. I'm loved by God. To reinforce the truth. If you've placed your faith in him, you're a child of God. To reinforce the truth. God has all the wisdom I need. God has the answer for every situation God has already been in the the future just as he's already been in the past. God sees where I'm at. God knows what I need. Reinforce the truth. To go from upside down with anxiety to right side up with peace. For some of us, that's maybe a weekly. Maybe it's a daily. Maybe it's an hourly. Maybe it's a moment by moment. Helps so much to reinforce the truth and keep reinforcing the truth. And what I love about this passage is that the hero isn't Elijah. Elijah, you're awesome. Start teaching about anxiety, man. You've got it figured out. The hero is not Elijah. The hero is God. Because Elijah was in the middle of this panic attack, and God steps in, and it was God who helped him to refuel. Right? God even thought to bring a sandwich along. God thinks of everything. God was the one that helped to redirect Elijah's attention, so Elijah could be like, Mount Horeb, that's where I'm going. And he led him in that journey, safely getting to that place. God was the one that, that reinforced the truth because Elijah felt like he was all alone. He even says to God later in this passage, no one else is around. I'm the only one left. And sometimes we can feel like that, but feelings aren't fact every time. And Elijah, in that moment, he felt like he was all alone, felt like he had no purpose, he just wanted to die. And God reassures him in that passage and says, actually, I've got 7,000 other people who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone. And also, by the way, Elijah, I want you to turn around and go back the way you came, and I want you to anoint this person to do that, and this person to do that, and this person to do that. And I want you to anoint a man named Elisha to succeed you as a prophet. In other words, Elijah, I still have purpose for you. I still have purpose for you. You're not alone, and you still have purpose. And as you struggle with anxiety and deal with anxiety and walk in moments of anxiety, I want you to know that God loves you, that you are not alone, and that you still have purpose. God isn't finished. And I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for that that moment, that miraculous, where that anxiety is gone in the name of Jesus. And God does that, and God can do that. And I'm also praying that God will continue to step into our journey, step into our path and say, you know what, I've got you. You're not alone. I've got purpose and I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. Jesus, who is peace, 
said before he ascended to heaven, hey, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. I don't give as the world gives. So do not fear, do not be discouraged. And we see the message throughout the scriptures because I am with you. I am with you. Would you bow your heads for a moment, please? The peace of God starts with us surrendering our life to Jesus. That's the the peace that passes all understanding. That's where it begins. It's a peace with God in right relationship with him. I want to give opportunity in this place for, for those who are here that you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have peace with God. You're not right with God. And the only way that we can be right with God because of our sin is to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, to embrace him as our Lord and Savior, to surrender our life to him. And I want to give opportunity in this place. If you're here and you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've run from him, you're not at peace with God, but you want to be, I want to lead you in a moment of prayer. Would you just slip up your hand right where you're at? Yeah, is there anyone else? Slip up your hand right where you're at. Say, I want to be at peace with God. Yes, anybody else? You lift up a hand right where you're at. Don't want to miss anybody. Yes, anybody else? Lift up a hand right where you're at. Several people lifted hands, and I'm going to pray, and Here's what the word of God says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be peace with God. He will come in and live with you. You will become a new creation in him. And so I want to lead in a prayer. I'm going to ask those that lifted a hand to uh, even pray out loud and repeat after me. And let this come from your heart, but also proclaim with your mouth your faith in Jesus. And I'm going to ask believers in this place to please join us as well uh, to encourage those who are taking this step of accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I come now knowing that I am a sinner, that I have rebelled against you, And I can't get to you on my own. But I know that you are God. And that you came to this earth to die for me. And you rose again, showing yourself to be God. And so I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. To come into my heart. And be the Lord of my life. I believe in you. I trust you. And I want to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God for what he's doing in your heart even in this a moment, you can't earn salvation. You can't work your way to salvation. It's through faith in what Jesus has accomplished. And if you have prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please uh, tell someone even today before you leave. Uh, we have cards in front of you. If you'd rather do it online, it would just say next steps. We'd love to hear about your decision to follow Jesus so that we can help you take your next steps in your relationship with the Lord. And if you fill one of those out, you can give it to one of the pastors, you give it to me, or just put it into one of the red boxes, and we will be in contact with you even this week, praying for you by name and helping you take your next steps 
in the faith. I'm going to ask if you would please stand for the worship team to come. So important for us to reinforce truth as we encourage each other in the Lord. And so I'm going to ask all of us in this place to declare some truths from Scripture. And I believe these will be an encouragement to you, not just today, but throughout the week. We'll put the first one up on the screen. I believe I have four of these. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read these together. We're going to declare these together because it is the Word of God, because it is truth. And when we're done declaring the last one, then the worship team is going to lead us as we declare truth some more through song about the power of our God and the love that he has for each and every person here. Would you join me right now as we declare the truth of God's word? I cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delight my soul. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at cccmidland.com.